Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points, a Canis Hoopers podcast, proudly brought to you by SB Nation Network. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Painting, J-A-K-E-P-A-Y-N-T-I-N-G. Today, I am joined by Canis Hoopers Editor-in-Chief, Carl Tige. What's going on, man? How's it going, dude? Thanks for having me on. No worries. Yeah, it's, um, everything's good over here. The basketball's back, so we're we're into the first round of the playoffs now. So everything's pretty uh, running pretty smooth over here. Today we're going to do. We'll talk a little bit about, I guess, the the delete eight bubble. You know, in market bubbles to start off with, and and then we'll we'll get into some mailbag questions that we've got after that. Got a few few really good questions to get through and kind of keep the Timberwolves news ticking along, just because it's very quiet at the moment, but. Uh, widely reported, Shams, Woj, um, reported that the Timberwolves and the other eight teams who weren't, who aren't in the playoffs or in the, the bubble at all will get in market five on five chances to go five on five teams, you know, get a bit of game time in. They will get, I think it was five, um, G League players they can bring up for the, for the scrimmages. So Minnesota are obviously involved in that. Um, what are your? Do you have any thoughts on that, Kyle, or, or anything you you kind of you know that hit you straight away when you heard that news? Yeah, I mean, I think I probably annoyed some people, but I've been like beating the drum about just how big of a competitive disadvantage the Wolves and those other delete eight teams are already at. Like, it's kind of like everyone on the Timberwolves like tore their ACL in a sense because <laughs> they're just going to be out of basketball for a year. Um, yeah. I think that's a pretty massive thing. Um, so it's not, I mean, it's not ideal. Like, I think ideally you'd have like some sort of 18 summer league where you can do stuff. But again, uh, over here in the States, pandemic still roaring. So not really safe. And the players association was never going to let that happen. So I think all the Wolves wanted was just the green light to be able to have their dudes on the court at the same time. Um, if you like follow social media or you follow, you know, anything, you see that like Jared Culver, Jordan McLaughlin, um, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Josh Kogi, those guys are in the the market right now. They're practicing every day, but they can't really do too many things together. They can only, you know, go for an hour and work out and get out of the gym and wipe it all down with Clorox wipes, and then the next guy goes in. So um, it's not ideal. Nothing in 2020 is ideal. Um, but I think it's better than nothing, and I think it gives them a good chance to just try to, like, see what they got with some of the younger guys because those are the guys that we'll probably get into – and have talked about before, but like it's those, you know, spices that are going to really make this whole meal because they have, you know, they have the main dish. They have Colin D. Towns, they have D'Angelo Russell. Um, are those, are those guys going to come back for this? Again, the, the biggest part about that breaking news from Shams was voluntary. So are you going to get James Johnson out of Miami to come up for a couple of days? Maybe, maybe not. I think they have good, 
camaraderie and good chemistry that you'd be able to sell those guys on coming up and, you know, having like a week long kind of mini camp. Um, but I just think it's important to see what you got. Like you, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Nas Reed. You gotta figure, even though he's on a contract, but you got to pick up those options. Like same with Jordan McLaughlin. What do you want to do with him? Do you want to keep him for a couple more seasons? So um, overall, it was good. I think and if, if you talk to people around the Wolves, it's all they wanted. They just wanted a chance to do more than what they're doing now. And they got it. And it should bridge the gap um, to when the season starts. Because if you read, uh, I, think, I can't remember if it was Coach Thorpe. There's someone on Twitter recently that was reporting on the Players Association meeting in the bubble recently. And they talked about not starting the season until January or March. So, I mean, if yeah. it goes to March, we're talking a full 12 months without the Timberwolves like playing professional basketball. And that's a massive situation. So this should be good. Uh, it should allow them to develop a little more um, while also kind of mitigating risk, which I think is kind of the goal here in terms of player safety. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's not too many downsides, I guess. Like you said, like most of these guys are in market already, especially the, the youngsters. And um, getting them to actually be able to get on a call and scrimmage together. And the way I think about it is, I guess, it's just like a, it's going to be, if they do, you know, go until March or, or, or January or February where they don't, whether the season hasn't started yet, they're, they're going to get like a six to eight month training camp. And I mean, we always hear these stories about how much, you know, teams improved during the training camp and, and really got the, the system down pat and, and the structure in place for the next season. So getting, you know, six, six to eight month training camp could probably only do good things maybe not as good as being able to go into the bubble. I, I don't know if teams like Phoenix and stuff who've been eliminated from the playoffs are allowed to have this same deal, but I, I assume they would be. So they might still be at a bit of a disadvantage to, to teams like that, but at least they get you know time where they can really nail down some, some tactics, nail down what they want to do next season and, and try and work on it rather than having to have, you know, getting the, the one month training camp that they usually get and then trying to figure things out on the fly. And as we know, you know, NBA teams don't really even get to practice that much once the season kicks off. So hopefully this is, you know, the beginning of at least getting Ryan Saunders and Gerson Rosas' system in place. And like you said, I'm not sure whether the, the big names will be there. I mean, we can fully expected, you know, that a fully, you know, all good with everyone else, I guess, if Towns isn't there just because of what he's had to go through this summer. But if he, you know, if he can get in there in the later date, you get McLaughlin, you get Culver and Akogi especially get, you know, six to eight months of, of working out in the system and really trying to nail their spot on the wing. And then I'm sure Russell and, and Johnson and, and stuff will get in there a little bit later if they don't go right at the start. But I just think, yeah, nothing really bad can come out of this. It's like I said, it's all they wanted. If if it you know doesn't work out, I'd be very surprised just because they need to play some sort of basketball. If that's five on five scrimmages for an hour every day, then that's better than nothing. Yeah, it's like the curse of Yijian Ling. Like you can only do so much damage like against a chair. You know what I mean? Like these guys can only <laughs> play against basically coaches. And yeah, I think they get dummies. one. Co- I think they get one coach at the moment. So, so I mean, that's again, so like if you want Jared Culver to make a leap, which again, still a big Culver fan, like. There's only so much he can do just working one on none. So to get him in, you know, two on two, three on three sets, maybe even full, you know, full court, five on five. Um, it's really truly the only way you can get better as a player. So it's important. So yeah, it was good news. Um, 
it's, you know, as we ramp up towards the lottery uh, this week, it's, it's some momentum. Um, and we'll see kind of, I guess the next step is when it happens and who, uh, who shows up. So, yeah. And, and hopefully we get like some, at least like a, a snippets of footage or something to, to tie us down for the next, Six months because I'm getting pretty <laughs> sick of not being able to see. I'm getting pretty sick of watching all these players ball out in the bubble and just imagining like D'Angelo Russell on a beach somewhere. Like, not that he shouldn't be on a beach because that's what I'd be doing if I was a millionaire and had six months off. But I'd like to see, you know, the Minnesota players get to shine a little bit on camera. And I, I criticize it all the time, but the, the social media and the digital team for the Wolves is obviously elite, but uh. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. I'm. I'm like one more Josh Akogi lifting photo away from just like <laughs> and like. Let's just. Can we get any like real basketball action? Because like you said, we're watching all these young guys develop down in the bubble, and like I just want to like. I don't know, man. Love to see what Jared Culver's jump shot looks like. Is that yeah. a crime? Like I was just like, is it look normal? Because if not, <laughs> and if it doesn't look normal, maybe they won't post it. But um, I just want to see like, does he look better? Does he look bigger? Like, so it'll be good news. I, it, it's good for the Wolves. I think they're happy, obviously, and um. I'm sure they'll probably touch on it. They'll probably do some media stuff after the lottery. So uh, hopefully they kind of are ramping up out of their hibernation that they've been in. So Yeah, for sure. So um, we'll jump straight into the mailbag. I mean, we've got uh, five or six questions that we'll get through. It's probably not going to be the longest episode today, but definitely some fun questions here. First one comes from Miguel at Miguel Angel AMI. Uh, he wants to know our thoughts on Miles Turner's fit with the Timberwolves. Um, okay, so I've been watching Miles Turner uh, for the Pacers. Obviously, Sabonis is out for them. Um, so he's kind of their, their one lone big. So they've been uh, down in the bubble. Indiana's kind of been just playing a bunch of small guys around him. Um, I think he's a good, I think he's a nice player. I guess I, I, I'm going to defer to you on some of these questions a little bit more just because I know you kind of studied them a little more and analyzed them a little more. But um, in terms of like contracts, he's basically making $17.5 million, um, for three more years. Um, so it's not crazy money. Uh, actually, I think it might be closer to like twenty million uh, when you figure out incentives. But uh, but it's not crazy money. Um, but he would chew up all of the you know all the remaining money. It would basically be him, Carl, D'Lo, and then just a bunch of cheap guys on rookie deals or minimum deals. Um, and I don't know. I guess you know this question came up the other day when we were putting these together, and then I watched. I think the Pacers played yesterday, and he doesn't just jump off the page as like. He's good. That's like my, that's like, I know this is a spicy take. He's good, but he's not like, I don't know. I just, does he, is he worth what he's getting paid? I don't know. Can the Wolves afford to have a guy in the roster who's just good, but making 20 million a year? Um, I don't think so. So I don't know if it would be that expensive in terms of, you know, assets and capital to acquire him. You know, maybe Indiana does want to pivot and just, you know, have some bonus kind of be their guy and just get a cheap center to back him up. But um, I just, I think I would be like, oh, that's, he kind of gives me Aaron Gordon vibes. Like if he's on the team or the Timberwolves better, probably, but like, is, is their ceiling that much higher? And I don't think it is. I just think he's a good player, but I don't think he really moves the needle. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I think... Availability-wise, I think you could probably get him. I think you'd, they'd probably Indiana would probably still ask a pretty a pretty penny for him just because he has that. He's his reputation seems to over you know overarch his actual production. I mean, he he ranks seventh in in defensive player impact plus minus. He's a really good defender and a really good shot blocker. 
but he's definitely a, a bit of a floater offensively. Uh, he, he shoots a three ball okay, not as well as I, I thought he did when I started to look at the numbers, just because he has that reputation of, of a of a true stretch five. But I mean, he shot like 34% this season from three. He, he'd he be good weak side cover for Towns, I think. like He, he could definitely block shots and and fill some of them holes that Towns leaves in the, in the pick and roll defense. But I'm not sure he's the kind of guy that, that really moves the needle, like you said. And I don't think... I think he's the kind of guy who you need to change the system a fair bit for. Like, if they're intent on going, you know, smaller and guys who can really push the pace and play in a fast-paced system and play in a five-out system. I know he shoots a three, but I'm not sure Miles Turner is the guy that you play two bigs for, if that makes sense. I'm not sure he's the guy that, that you really completely, you know, change the system to make him fit especially when you have to pay him $20 million and you probably are up against the cap line for another three or four years. And no, Minnesota aren't going to get free agents. They're not, you know, people, players aren't going to be clamoring to go and play in Minnesota. But I think if you're going to trade assets for a guy who is going to really, I guess, destroy your cap, your cap sheet, not not in a bad way, but just put you in a real bind, cap-wise, then I don't think that Miles Turner is that guy. But I do think that, like you said, the team would definitely be better with him. The defense would be better. He, he still shoots, but you can't you can't play the fast pace. I don't know if Rosas is going to play two bigs right now. I think we all agree that it's something he should probably test the waters with in the future. But is he going to just throw his ideas in the bin after one season and go and get Miles Turner and play two seven-footers? Uh, I'm not too sure, and I don't think that he's the player that that you that you bin your system for. And, and yeah, those are all, I, I totally agree with that. And like I said, I think the biggest concern is is that is Miles Turner good? Yes. Would he make the Wolves better? Yes. But like he is it. Like that is just your team. You can just start yeah. in the the tap space for the next four years. Like this is what you have. You have no flexibility. Um. So and it, again, this might become a drinking game of me saying this guy's name, but like. Would you rather just have like a Jared, Van- Jared Vanderbilt and Nas Reed combo for the pennies you're paying them? Neither guy is in Miles Turner's league, but they're also making like, you know, less than a million dollars. So would yeah. you rather just try to get creative? I think that's what smart teams do. They're just big. We're not going to pay Miles Turner 20 times what we're paying Nas Reed when we can still get, I don't know, 50 to 60% of Turner's production or, you know, what he can do. Next to Towns, if we just played Jared Vanderbilt and we played Nas Reed. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, if that's what we're doing here, if that's what Gerson Rosas came in to do was build a big three of D'Lo, Towns, and Miles Turner, then I'm super underwhelmed. So I would rather we just not go that direction. Yeah, if, if they could get him for James Johnson and the, and the 17th pick, then by all means, you know, you're not giving up any assets for him. But that's not the reality because Indiana will still ask a fair package for him. It might not be huge, but it'll probably be, you know, a Beasley sign and trade plus the 17th pick or, you know, the the first pick, like a pick seven and Jared Culver and and Josh Cody maybe, you know, to, to make up salary. So it's not something that they can just take from Indiana. They're, they're going to have to pay for it. And I don't think you're... Your 
putting all your eggs in one basket, you know, per se, to, to get Miles Turner. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think Rosas is – I think people have taken his words out of context a little bit. Like, I think they're open to playing another big next to Towns, which is kind of like – goes back to the beginning of this question even about Miles Turner's fit. Um, I don't think you're going to see them force a square peg through a round hole and never play another big guy next to Carl. I think they're yeah, open to it. Um, but I just think that that guy that plays next to Carl is going to be a little more of a taller wing player, like a you know, like a, again, like a Jeremy Grant, who I'm just have the biggest man crush on, or so, someone that can do oh, yeah. a little more and guard some more wing positions rather than just a legitimate. I mean, he's a center. That's what that's what Miles Turner is. He's a center. So I don't yeah. I don't see them pivoting all the way over to the other spectrum of let's just throw two centers out there. So um, again, good player, um, little. It's, Probably way too expensive. Uh, I just think that there are more fun, higher ceiling options for them, and that's really what I think they'll do. I don't. I don't really think Miles Turner is ever going to be a Minnesota Timberwolves. So. Yeah, and just to just to put an exclamation point on that, I think I don't. As much as I know that Gerson Roses and everyone talented towns, Nancy Russell, I know they want to win, and we all want them to win straight away. But I don't think that they'll get the wrong player just to win. 15 more games this season and, and you know, cap themselves at a 45-win team. I mean, I think you could make a case that, that Miles Turner would make them a playoff team, but are they anything more than a 7th or 8th seed? I think Rosas would definitely be happier to wait another season, see how the team progresses with, you know, an MLE option and maybe a pick or two. And if they only win 40 games and they miss the playoffs, but then someone else becomes available next offseason or next summer and they have a chance to get him instead and that actually makes the team into a 52 win team i think he'd rather do that rather than just jumping the shark and, and yeah. going yeah straight for the the easy i guess you know easy option where it's like let's get this guy because he's kind of available and he's he's okay he'll make us better i, I think gerson roses wants to to win a title and you're not winning a title just going for the first option because he's available now when you could potentially get someone better down the line or yep. draft someone better, or you know, develop internally better. I just don't think that that that's the the game he's playing. As much as he have has always said that he wants to win now, and obviously he wants to win now, but he wants to win big, and winning right. big doesn't right. always happen overnight. And again, you know, our friend Dane Moore has kind of been he's been beating this drum since the beginning, but he always talks about next summer being like the summer that everyone is like on pins and needles because that's kind of like flipping from rebuild to kind of slowly arcing up on a graph to then really like, okay, we got to start being a really good basketball team. Um, and Turner having three more full years on his deal, that's just, you know, like I know I think Dane and a couple of other guys have talked about like a Chris Paul thing or something. Like you go get a Chris Paul if it's like one or two more years on a deal. You know what I mean? But those three extra years, I mean, that's pretty much aligned with how long Gerson's with the team. And is he just going to make his big three be that? And I, I don't see it. Like, again, I just don't think it's that realistic. Um, and I don't even know. Like I said, I don't even know how open Indiana is to moving him. Like, they might just like him. And you're not going to go give up all your assets for a guy who doesn't make your ceiling a 50-win team. And he'd have to become a fair bit better than he is to get any sort of resale value on him. I mean, if you... If the, if the plan is to get him and then you think, well, you know, at least we can trade him down the line if he doesn't fit or if this if he doesn't improve this team or... Because he's the kind of guy who you could make an argument for needs a, a change of scenery and, and could become a really good player. 
somewhere else because he is a very talented guy. I mean, you don't get a lot of three-point, you know, seven-foot three-point shooting guys who are also one of the best rim protectors in the league. But if he, if this is just who he is, you're not going to get any more when you trade him in two years than you than you do than you have to give up right now. So that scares me. I think Rosas is definitely one of the guys who is really looking at resale value if things do go awry. And for Turner, that resale value, if he gets worse, if he, if he doesn't fit in Minnesota, if him and Towns can't coexist together, then you're not getting much for him in a year and a half, you know, right. in three three trade deadlines or, or, or whatever. So he, I think there's more risk than reward with Turner, and I don't think that's the way this front office will play it. I agree. Um, so we're going to question two uh, from Jay Mohawk at jmohawk99. He just says, Wolves mock draft positions for one, two, and three. Here it is. Here we go. This is why people are here. This is why people tuned in. They didn't <laughs> tune in for 13 minutes at Miles Turner, I'm guessing. <laughs> they tuned in for, and again, we should probably preface this. It is late Wednesday night for me uh, in the United States. So that would make it Thursday morning for you in Australia, right? Yeah, Thursday, one thirty-six on a Thursday hour. So we are a little less than 24 hours from the, from the 2020 NBA draft lottery. Um, so I'm about less than 24 hours away from just getting emotionally hurt again. Um, <laughs> what we should talk about. So the Wolves have the, the top, you know, they're third right now in like, how would you say it? The, the lottery. Um, but they yeah. have, they're tied for the best odds at winning the lottery at 14%. Um, you, in all of your articles, you always put that cool graphic that shows kind of the percentage breakdown of what they would have. So they can fall from anywhere from first to seven. Um, but we're talking here one, two, or three. So we're talking, the Wolves either stick to where they they are at three, which would be cool, or defying all of the odds and all of the past history and actually moving up for the first time, which would be extra cool. Um, but you are my draft guy, and I ask you questions all the time. So I want you to go through first, and you go, give me your first guy, and then I'll give you mine, and then we'll go to two and three. Okay, so this is me and Jack Borman do have a, a big board, a top 10 big board, and then another 10 after that coming out over the next few weeks. The, the first 10 will come out before the lottery. So so probably, you know, if you're listening to this, you might have seen it or you might it might be coming up in a few hours. But this is giving a little bit away. But my so first for me is Killian Hayes. Uh, I think I've, I've teetered between him and Edwards, but Edwards... Edwards has a higher ceiling. I think Hayes probably has a higher floor. And I think Hayes has enough of a high ceiling to risk taking him number one. I just think, uh, I've talked to him before, so I'm not going to ramble on Hayes, but I think just a really good shot creator, a really good passer out of the pick and roll, a point guard who can play as the two as well, someone who has a lot of the similar tendencies to Russell and and might be a little bit redundant with him, but I think you could make it work. and, And if he turns out to be a star, then, you know, you get a star and that's exactly what Minnesota needs. So Hayes is my, my number one. What's yours? So let's take, let's take these people behind the curtain a little bit. You and I, my answer is Killian Hayes as well. You and I message all the time. Ever since you wrote about Hayes, I was like, dude, I am so in on him. I know <laughs> this draft is, I mean, considered widely a little less, you know, it's not as hot and sexy as the, the Zion John Morant draft, but, um, I think you're going to see some guys come out of this that have pretty big impacts. And reading what you wrote, and then reading what some other people wrote too, The Ringer had a good one. Um, Tankathon has some good stuff. I, I think Hayes is one. I know Edwards has 
a similar build in terms of their heights and their wingspans. I think Edwards is a little has a little more muscle on him. Um, but Hayes, just his playmaking, um, his feel for the game. I think he even you might have written about like his off ball defense. Um, yeah. I just yeah, really really good defender on and off the ball. Not not your not your lockdown type of player, but someone who definitely tries hard and has improved so much into his whole game. If you're looking at any prospect of the whole draft. I don't think you'll find a, a player who's improved more over the last 18 months in every facet of their game than Killian Hayes. And that that's one of the main reasons why I really like him because his his growth chart is, is crazy at the moment. And, you know, so my dad's probably listening to this and he's probably losing his mind right now about, like, the Wolves drafting a point guard even though they have D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> but I think it's a really important, um, and we've talked about this, but it's important to really look at this through a modern 2020 vision of terms of like, this isn't a David Kahn, let's just have a bunch of point guards. Like, watch what Toronto does with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. Like, D'Angelo Russell, Port- yes, is a Portland. point guard. Portland, yes, Portland, Portland the same yeah. way. Great. And they're like the the flavor of the month right now. Yeah, that's and- a great call on Portland too. It's just like, it's not, we, please, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, just like eliminate this concept of a position, you know, because I think D'Angelo Russell could really do some wonderful things just playing off the ball. So if you have, you know, yeah. just whoever wants to bring the ball up this time, like have Killian Hayes bring it up, have D'Angelo Russell bring it up. But the other guy could really play off of each other. Um, and, and you can still have Mike, or you can still have Malik Beasley out there. So you can still do all those different kind of iterations of that. But uh, I, I think to me and to you, um, we've talked about it privately, but Killian Hayes is the number one guy. I think it's crazy to see him in some mocks at like 10 to Phoenix. I mean, yeah, I, that's what I was about to say. Like the way that, and these are mocks from guys like Sam Vecini and, and um, Jonathan Wasserman, who they they get in their intel based off what teams are telling them. Yeah. So yeah. like, there's a there's a real chance that that Killian Hayes falls to Minnesota, no matter where they pick. Like it could be at seven, and I think I think teams are definitely not as enamored with him as we are, and as a lot of draft Twitter and stuff are. And, and that's a good point to bring up because if you uh the the ringer does a really good job. I don't know how updated it is, but the ringer does a really good draft coverage. And I think Kevin O'Connor's big board has Killian Hayes one, and then his mock draft has Killian Hayes eleven. So that kind of yeah. validates what you said about these guys are talking to teams. So um, so is Killian Hayes going to go one? Probably not. But it does you know as we talk about how the Wolves never move up in the draft, it does give you that kind of reassurance that if you see Minnesota fall to four or five, it's not just an oh great, here we go again. Like there could be a guy there that you and I think is the best guy in the draft. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think the whole top of this draft is, is going to be a crapshoot just because like you said, it's I think there's a lot of depth in this class, which is something that gets lost in translation. I think when people say that this is a bad class, I think at, at 20, you'll still get a, a rotation player. I think at 40, there's rotation players around as much as any other class, but the top of this class is definitely, definitely there's no, there's no surefire star. There's guys who could become stars, but have flaws in their game that are just too hard to ignore, but which we'll speak about in a second, but Hayes is definitely one where I think he, you, you don't get a pretty good player and, and at worst you don't get a, a, low-end starter and if he really does put it together and, and that that growth continues to be you know linear then he's going to be an excellent player yeah i agree who do you have um who do you have two 
Yeah, so I have Anthony Edwards too. As yeah. I said, I've gone between the two. Um, it's I'm I've cooled off a little bit on Edwards just because I, I'm everyone knows you know that listens to this podcast or follows draft coverage at all that that Edwards just has some of them some huge red flags the shot selection the the mental makeup the way he he zones in and out of games you know he'll score thirty five points in a half and then he'll score two in the second half and. There's obviously some huge red flags, but the talent... He's got the most talent in the draft. I will die on that hill. I think a lot of people would agree. I don't think that's really even a hot take, that that he just has so much talent. I mean, if he puts it together... I know he had a, a long 20-minute interview with, with Taylor Rooks over at Police oh, Report yeah, that, yeah. that came out this morning. I, I just finished watching that before we started recording, and he said straight away that, that defense is what he wants to be known for, I mean, plenty of players that we've heard Carlton Town say that. So, like, you can take it with a grain of salt. But I think he, I think his mental makeup off the floor is better than a lot of guys that you know have the same sort of flaws as him, where they where they seem to kind of be disinterested. I think, I think he's always just been a guy who's been a lot better than everyone he played. And I think he even kind of said in the, in that interview that he got bored at times, just kind of getting double teamed and just being the center of attention all the time and not having to, I guess, really like work for stardom almost, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think once he gets in the NBA, I think he'll be a better player in the NBA than he was at, at the collegiate level, but I'm not sure how much better. Is he just going to be a volume scorer? Is he going to put all of those tools together? I mean, I've seen him throw some crazy passes, you know, full court bounce passes. Uh, like I've seen him lock up dudes on the perimeter, but that's all you know, one every 10 times. So yeah. if he can make that five out of 10 times and still keep that that crazy scoring ability that he has, and especially in a system where he's not the best player on the team by, you know, 100 miles, um, he's going to be a really good player. And I, I'd take him number one. If they, if they took him number one, I wouldn't have any complaints. Yeah, and this is where, again, like I'm probably not the Chad Ford of draft experts, but... um. Like you said, I think he talent-wise, he is the best guy. He's probably the safest guy. I mean, um, he's a true number one pick in terms of talent. Like he's the type of archetype and athleticism and strength and shot making that garners number one picks generally. And you know, I, I I could probably talk myself into both of these sides and make an argument for both. But um, you did a really good. I mean, so the, the the big thing with him is people start to make the Wiggins comparisons. You know what I mean? Just kind of floats and super talented. Um, but like. Does he like basketball? Like, does he want to play? Like, does he want to be a star? Um, I watched that video, or I watched that interview just before we hopped on here uh, as well. And I actually, like, I know it's an interview. I know it's one-on-one. I know it's PR, and he's probably thrilled to say some of the same things. But I actually walked away with that, like, pretty impressed. And, like, some of the things he said in there, like, made me feel reassured that if the Wolves did stay, like, did move up, win the lottery, and draft him. Um, Because I don't think... Again, I'm just like I'm 31, so I try to put myself in like a 19 year old kid's brain. Like, if you were just better than everyone, and it just wasn't hard, you know, like an AAU or high school, and then he goes to Georgia, and the whole college season was kind of a joke because we didn't get a March Madness tournament. So like, he had no one on his team who was even remotely in his hemisphere of talent. Um, it's kind of just something like I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's just sometimes hard to be motivated. Like, if everyone around you kind of sucks, and just it's not that hard for you to try. Maybe that's why he just didn't flash as much as we wanted him to. 
Um, but who knows, like one week into a training camp or something, it's like, oh, dude, I'm not, I am not the best player on this team. I'm not the third best player on this team. The dog in him might come out. I mean, he's got a f- the frame I'd, to be a star. Yeah, I'd like to see him get like a, like in a Minnesota sense, if he came to Minnesota, I'd like to see, you know, how he reacts after James Johnson rips him in a yeah. in a practice for for not trying as hard as he should or for being the talented most talented player on the court and you know getting getting locked up by Josh Cody because Josh Cody's going at a hundred miles an hour all the time and Anthony Edwards is in cruise control. So I'd like to see how he reacts. I came away from that same interview thinking that he would react positively. I think he wants to be I think he wants to be the best player on the court. Not just he is, I think he wants to be. And I think when he, when he's not, he will try to be. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, I just I, if if, if people are worried about Anthony Edwards and Andrew Wiggins being the same guy, I walked away from that. And again, just a twenty minute interview. You try, I could never imagine. Summer. I could never imagine Wiggins speaking like that with the That's, confidence and the yep, the bravado that that Edwards did. Hundred percent. I I I know, and this has been circulated well before tonight's pod or whatever, but um. There's always a lot of questions internally in Minnesota. Does Andrew Wiggins even just like playing basketball? Like, does he like basketball or does he just play it because it's pretty easy to do for him? Um, I don't get that with Anthony Edwards. I get that he might have cruise controlled it. I mean, you know, I, no, no offense to him, but like Ben Simmons cruise controlled it through LSU. He just went to a school that probably gave him the most money and he didn't, the team was not very good and he just kind of was like, yeah, I just have to do this so I can get and be the first overall pick. Um, and I don't really question Ben Simmons' motor. Again, not comparing those as the same type of player, but I just think sometimes you can, everyone can start to worry so much about his motor and stuff that it's like, I kind of want to pivot and go the other way. And be like, maybe he just wasn't motivated. Like, why is the Georgia basketball coach all of a sudden a really good dude? Like, who knows if that whole system was kind of flawed. You put him in a system. And like I said, if he goes to the Knicks, he's probably looked at as their best player, which might mess him up mentally whereas if he goes to Minnesota dude you are not the best player and you're not the second best player and there's a good chance you're not the third best player so like that might be like hey you're a rook like just you gotta you gotta try hard on defense that's only you get out of the court and that might make him a better defender it might make him try harder um so again I still like Hayes I think you like Hayes because I just see something a tad more special but if Edwards is two and Edwards falls to Minnesota he's the first pick zero issue yeah. Um, so number three for me is a guy I've talked about heaps on here. I'm not sure. I don't know if we agree on this, but I I lean to Devin Vassell just because I think the first okay. two. Uh, okay. <laughs> everyone knows that I'm I'm a huge Vassell fan. I think if if I if I was mock if I had a mock draft that I have like on my big board, I have Ball as the third best player in the draft. I just think that. The first two that I, that we talked to Hayes and Edwards are both kind of home run swings, and they both have pretty. Uh, there's, there's, you can definitely see the path where they don't end up extremely good NBA players. But with Vassal, that's that's the fallback option for me. I mean, he's he's probably for me he's the safest pick in the draft. I think he'll be a good three point shooter. I think he'll be an excellent team defender, capable on the ball as a defender as well. And I think maybe more than a lot of people, he has a lot of untapped potential as, as just a scorer in general. I mean, he can create a little bit off the dribble, some some mid-range jumpers and stuff. He's, you cannot block his shot. His arms are so long and he has that 
weird kind of over the head release that you're just not going to block. So I think if they if they got if Edwards and uh, Hayes were gone and they took for sale at three, I think it would widely be thought of as a bit of a reach. But I'd be super happy still. Yeah, I mean that's a good pick. That's not my guy, but I mean I would say that like when you read about him, there's you know the comps to him, which I don't always love player comps rookies. But yeah, I'm not but, a huge player. But but it's man. you know it gives you it's better than nothing. But yeah, they talk about you know shades of Chris Middleton, shades of Robert Covington, shades of Matisse Thybul. You, you definitely see some Thybul in him, in just the way he's just an absolute menace defensively. Um, and I think on a like on Kevin O'Connor's big board, he might be six. But like yeah, in drafts in mocks, you see him going from seven to eleven. So again. That's why this draft is going to be so bananas because we have guys that are, you know, our top three guys are guys that are seven and eleven on locks. But um, I think it's a good pick. Yeah. Mine is Lamelo Ball. Um, I I think Killian Hayes and Anthony Edwards would make Minnesota really good, and I think that would be an awesome pick. The Lamelo Ball thing—you're kidding yourself if anyone has an idea. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I know that yeah. <laughs> I know that people want to build him up to be like a better prospect than Lonzo, and that might be so. And if you watch Lonzo in the bubble, I mean, I don't know if you could. I mean, you might be able to get Lonzo Ball for the seventeenth pick in like half of New Orleans arena, but like he, the Ball family just hasn't shown to be good at basketball right now. Um, but Lamelo has the size, he has the build. Um, could he work along D'Angelo Russell? Yeah. Would they ever get a defensive stop? No. Um, but I think from an asset standpoint, that's where it goes. Like one and two, Hayes and Edwards. I think that's good fits for the Timberwolves. Yeah, I think only Edwards. Only Edwards. I think is on his level of like star potential asset. You know the whole the whole thing. They can if they work out their like the premium asset, the premium player that you need. Yeah, like you know, an absolute an absolute like wet dream is like Wolves at three, Knicks at seven. Wolves take Lamelo Ball, flip it to the Knicks, and they get like Vassell at seven, and then like a future first or something. You know, like I, I, I yeah. don't, I don't see Lamelo Ball playing in Minnesota. Not like he would refuse to come. I just, I don't think that's gonna work. But um, I still think this is a name recognition. Um, you'd be able to. I think Gerson would be able to do a lot with that pick. Um, but the basketball thing, I, I just, I still haven't seen it. I know that lots of people have wanted it and stuff, but I just, I don't see. I can't see the Minnesota Timberwolves winning 50 games down the road two or three years and, like, the backcourts to Melo Ball and D'Angelo Russell. I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like Ball. I mean, he's his high-end talent, which is obviously playmaking and, and passing out of the pick-and-roll, passing in general, like the, the outlet passes and, and whatnot, I think no one has a better skill than that in the in the draft. Like, no one's best skill is better than Lamelo Ball's best skill. but it, I the you, everyone knows the concerns, the shooting, the defense. But the thing that I just keep coming back to is like, is he going to stay? Does he want to be in Minnesota? I know that we can't, they can't draft prospects based on you know the the weather and the the small market and whatnot. But out of all of the players in this draft, Lamelo Ball strikes me as the most obvious guy who's going to force his way out of Minnesota as soon as he has the you know, the reputation and the and the recognition around the league to do so. Like, unless Minnesota are a championship team, which, you know, 30 years of hurt has conditioned me to just never believe they can be, I don't see Lamelo Ball not ending up in LA or New York. He's just that kind of guy, which is 
like fine for him. I mean, he he's a bright lights player, and that's that's well and good. But Minnesota aren't the bright lights, and in after his rookie contract, if he's going to, you know, sign with someone else, or his father's going to get involved, or he's just going to cause a scene, which I don't think he's. I'm not saying he's a he's immature or anything. I just think that he has dreams that are bigger than what Minnesota have provided historically or look to provide in the future. I just don't see him sticking around. And that worries me because if they, if he becomes good and then he forces his way out, it's just another cog in the, in the, in the turning wheel of, of players working their way out of Minnesota, another blemish on the resume, another reason why players don't want to come and play under this front office because it's just the historic, you know, historically players just force their way out. And I just think of anyone in this draft or of anyone that you could even pick up in this entire offseason, LaMelo Ball strikes me as that guy. I, I don't see, I, I don't know. I've, I've really cooled on him. I've really sour on him when I read some more stuff. Um, and I just think that with how bad 2020 has been, I think we, we all deserve for him to be coached by Tom Thibodeau. And just, oh. I mean, just <laughs> if, if nothing else, it'd be such a win for a LaVar Ball, Tom Thibodeau, your ball, just like media scrum. Like just, that's how we will cure our issues. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not really hoping for it. I still have him third on my kind of quote unquote big board, but uh, I'm really hoping that that's not going to be the way, the way things turn out. So you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah. So um, the third question uh, comes from Ben Johnson at Ben Johnson 47. He he threw two questions at us, so appreciate that, Ben. The first one is, with the success of D'Lo and McLaughlin, the the pairing that they are, will that increase the chances of Rosas selecting a, the best PG, uh, the best, sorry, point guard with the highest lottery pick? I mean, we've we've touched on this, so we won't spend too much time on it, but I think it's pretty much a, a yes from both of us. I mean, if they think that the best player at, the, at their position, whether it's the first pick or the 17th or the 33rd, if they think that the best player on their board at that time is, is a point guard. I don't think that'll stop them from drafting a point guard. It's just there's there's a lot in this class. There's a lot of good point guards. I don't think Russell being on the roster will stop them. As the question said, him and McLaughlin paired pretty well in limited minutes. They're, we said before, the CJ and, and Dame, you know, the, the way the league's trending to two point guards being able to play together just makes it even more feasible. I just... It it makes sense to me. If he they'll they'll choose who they think is the best player, I believe. And if that's a point guard, and, and you figure out the rotations and the and the fit from there, then then so be it. They have three picks. Obviously, this lottery pick seventeen, which we'll talk about in a sec, and then their their second rounder, which I think is thirty three. Um, yeah. If again, this is a massive if going Gerson Rosas. Uh, if they draft all three spots, they will one hundred percent draft. That is, in my opinion, not even arguable. It is a fact. Um, and I also think it's important because we do this a lot in Minnesota. I mean, I, I'm guilty of it too, but like, I love the Timberwolves. They suck. Um, and we fall in love with these fringe guys. Like Jordan McLaughlin obviously blew us all away and proved us all wrong. 
I'm pretty sure Gerson Rosas isn't drafting based on anything to do with Jordan McLaughlin. Like yeah, that's that's sure. not going to happen. They're not going to see a guy at three and be like, mm-hmm. well, you know, we have Jordan McLaughlin backing. It's like that's not going to be on their radar. Um, so yeah, I, I I think they'll take a point guard at some point. Um, and I also think again that getting the right point guard can make D'Angelo Russell prosper and take some load off him in terms of. I mean, we saw we saw McLaughlin and Russell play together and, and it worked. So if you get a better point guard in there next to him, um. I, I think that's how they want to play. They want to play fast. They talk about pace all the time. Um, and it would shock me if they don't leave draft night in October with with at least one more rookie point guard to, to throw to the mix. So. Yeah, and I, and I think that the, I'm guilty, not guilty because it's not bad, but I think what, what we forget sometimes when we're talking about the, the two point guard lineups is that it's not all about taking the pressure off Russell or, or kind of maximizing Russell as an off-ball scorer. It's about what you can do to Carl Anthony Towns, who's yeah. unquestionably oh, yep, yep. your best player. Yep. And the having two ball handles on the court, having two guys who can spoon feed him more and, and you know stop him from having to create his own shot all the time and be able to run those pick and pops out of multiple actions. I mean, side pick and roll, secondary pick and roll. Where you can where you can get towns involved and it's not always just hammering the Russell Towns combo. I mean that is probably just as big a, a boon for the team as any thing that you can do with Russell, just because Towns is still the guy that's going to be scoring more than anyone, and he's still the guy that that you want to maximize. And if you could get hey if you get Hayes and and Russell, or if you get Kyra Lewis and Russell both being able to facilitate for Towns and, and take pressure off off him. That's a win in my book. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I I think Gerson Rosas. I mean, there's not like a premier center in this in this thing. I know James Wiseman's up there, but uh, there's not like a dominant center. But I think if there was, I mean, I think Gerson Rosas is drafting best player available if he keeps that pick. Um, and he just wants to add assets, and then he'll figure out how to make it work. So. Yep. Yep. Um. So Ben Ben Johnson. His second question is, uh, who are some realistic trade options for pick seventeen? I'll I'll jump straight into it. It's first of all, it's very hard because we don't know what the value of the seventeenth pick is around the league. We don't know what they're sending out with the seventeenth pick. I mean, if you if you're sending out Beasley in the seventeenth pick, that's a lot different too. If you're just trying to package the seventeenth pick to give to someone, or if you're trying to you know package Culver or or someone like that. So I'm just gonna throw a couple of names or a couple of guys who just came to my head immediately. I don't think it holds. A lot of value. I mean, anyone who's who's thinking of sending out James Johnson and pick seventeen to get some sort of you know pseudo star or fringe star, I think that's a little bit of a pipe dream. But uh, uh, does Marvin Bagley is he available at a cut price now that there's a the front office change in, in Sacramento and he's really struggled with health and with form and and fit in that team? Um, is Justice Winslow someone? The Grizzlies seeing their future plans, maybe not. He didn't play at all with them. I know he's been injured, but he's a guy who still has some untapped potential. Would fit as a as a three or a small ball four with Minnesota, and probably you know you could send out the seventeenth pick and, and, and cap filler maybe to get him if Grizzlies are kind of still looking to to keep the the youth in the team and get another pick in there. I know their pick could potentially go to to Boston this season, so especially if lottery works out against them maybe they want to jump back in the middle of the, the first round and the last one i had down was a guy who i think a lot of people would be like uh no but 
is Frank Nilakina someone who you just send a straight 17th pick, you know, That's and a good one. Yeah, yeah. Amari Spellman, and you bring in him as that secondary point guard. I mean, he won't have to handle the ball a lot. He's still a very good defensive point guard. He's got untapped potential as well. How much nobody knows is is he bad because of the Knicks? Are the Knicks is he bad just because he's bad? You know, is he does he need to change the scenery? I don't know, but they're three guys where I thought maybe the seventeenth pick plus someone is something you know you could get back in return. I I think all three of those guys I wouldn't mind taking a punt on, but I mean it's so hard to know with the seventeenth pick and, and with the the way the the draft and the league and. 2020 is it's just, it's hard to know yeah and you know i don't what a, what a terrible way for me to answer this question by saying i don't really have any names but i think yeah I but it's so hard to come up with names right like, exactly. you just don't know. <laughs> i think i think your general premise and this has been kind of widely discussed but like a, a james johnson in the 17 pick i think is a valuable thing it's an expiring contract that has a lot of money on it for one more year and then a, a good pick and I think it's important again to like, I'm stressed this enough, but like the top of this draft might not be sexy, but as you and I have talked about, like there are good players in the middle of this first round in the early second round. Like they're just because you don't have that Zion at the top doesn't mean at 17 that there's like literally bums available. Like you could still go get if the scouting, if you're scouting properly, which I, I do believe the Wolves have a good scouting department. Um, There are fun guys in that area of, you know, like, if you're high on Trey Jones, Tyrell Terry, Tyrese Maxey, like there are guys at 17 that I think could come in and play and contribute. Um, Sadiq Bey is another one. So like, I don't think they'll just get rid of it to get rid of it. Um, but I, I do think I, I would be on the record now before the lottery that depending on what happens, obviously, but I don't think they're going to draft at both spots. I think they'll draft in their lottery and or, or draft at 17. I don't think you'll see them do both because I think they'll use that second round pick to probably bring in a guy that kind of intrigues them, but I just don't see Gerson bringing in three more rookies to pair with Jared Culver and Josh Kogi and Nas Reed. Like, I just seems a little too young for the window as his. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, and you've talked about this too, but like an Aaron Gordon. Like, can you do an Aaron Gordon for the 17th pick? And I don't know what else you got to put in there other than James Johnson's money. But um, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting too to see what happens with the cap. Like, does the cap get all messed up with this whole pandemic and teams are looking to shed yeah, contracts? Yeah. Um, so, but again, I, I think the most important thing is getting the pick, even though I think we kind of always thought it was going to be 15 and then the Nets turned into world beaters. <laughs> yeah. um, getting the pick now, I think is important. I know next year's draft could be a lot better, but Brooklyn's going to be a lot better next year. I mean, they might mess around and win the finals. Um, so I'd rather have pick 17 now than pick 25 next year. Um, it's important to have as many assets as you can now. So, so it'll be interesting. Um, and I think, like you said, it's hard to know, but there's a lot of guys that I think could be available if they want more of a proven guy who's maybe, you know, in that 24 to 26 year old Adrian. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it, it comes down to what other teams want. I mean, the teams want to give up any sort of asset to jump back into the middle of this draft. Who knows? I think the three guys that, that I said in uh, Bagley, Winslow, and, and Nilatina are all guys whose stock has probably taken a downward turn lately, and I think that's the kind of guy you would see them trade for if it's not if the seventeenth isn't a part of a a bigger package where you're, they're really trying to get a star where where you actually have to add in 
real assets like Beasley and the the lottery pick. Uh, I think it's someone who's definitely had a downswing in terms of stock, a guy who definitely doesn't fit on their team or maybe on the, is on the outskirts of the rotation, but still has potential to to flourish somewhere with it, with a change of scenery, a little bit like Beasley. I mean, that's the kind of deal I think you would see for 17 if it's just like a 17 and, and James Johnson, a team who's just willing to take on, take on Johnson's cap hit for one season, get rid of him, you know, get 15 million in cap space or, or whatever it may be with the pandemic and with said team's cap sheet. But that's the deal. I don't think you, I don't think you get anything really special. You're probably getting more of a, a bet rather than a than a sure thing. Frank Frank Nikina is a good a good one. That was I was, that made me kind of scratch scratch my. I think New York would take that. I think New York would take that. Like if you gave them Spellman and Seventeen, I think they'd take that for Nikina. I yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what Tom, what Fibs thinks about um about. Frank. He might really I mean, like he might really <laughs> like him because he loves that defensive kind of. He might just be like he's, he's French Chris Dunn. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but that's, yeah, that was a good name. That one in, in, intrigued me, but um. Again, good question from Ben, but I just it's it's way too early to figure that out because we don't know what teams are going to look to dump. I mean, this is for another day, but like the Philadelphia 76ers could be looking to just dump salaries. Um, and, yeah. You know, depending on who that is, not saying that you're going to trade James Johnson 17 for Ben Simmons, but you're going to have to find that team that's looking to just get out from a bad contract that they think is bad, but maybe Minnesota thinks is good. So, um, if Minnesota end up with Tobias Harris, I am done. No, we, we will. I will. I will <laughs> make sure that does not happen because the, the Tobias Harris contract um, is the new Andrew Wiggins contract. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't yet, uh, our good friend John Meyer at the Daily Wolf, you gotta go find his tweet because he tweeted out the cap sheet for the Sixers like the next four years. It is so disgusting. Like between Tobias and Horford, I mean, they're it's brutal. Like they messed that up. <laughs> we could do four hours on how they messed up the Sixers, but um. We'll, we'll get back to these questions. Yeah. Um, so the fifth question was from Jake. He sent in some questions before. So thanks, Jake. J- uh, Viking 5 is his Twitter handle. Who are some guys in this class who you'd want Rosas to, to target in the undrafted free agency market who could follow similar paths to Nas Reed and Jordan McLaughlin? Um, <laughs> this is a hard one. This is, this the, is the hardest. This is the ultimate we're five months into a pandemic question. <laughs> like, hey, can you guys tell me? Again, great question, by the way. And three months from the draft. Yeah, too. can you guys just maybe tell me who will not get drafted in the top 60 picks? And then, but, uh, <laughs> but it's a good question because if you do go look, I mean, the Nas Reed thing was was brilliant. I mean, they they got, they snatched him up right after the draft. Um, and I think if you redrafted it, he's probably not a lottery pick last year, but he's definitely he's a first rounder. He's definitely going to the first round. And I mean, that type yeah. of, again, I think Dane has said this too, but like, it's all about the margins when you're a team like Minnesota who can attract stars, um, has to overpay some free agents. If you can go out and find a guy who doesn't get drafted because of, I don't know, red flags. I mean, at the time, he was kind of out of shape and disengaged, and he's been nothing but a delight. Um, but if you can turn you know, undrafted free agents into late first, early second round kind of redraft guys, that's that's the definition of you know working the margins. So... Um, did you have a did you have a name for this? Um, yeah, I had two guys. Like, I'll preface it by saying what what we spoke about before. How the draft has some some deepness to it in terms of rotation players and guys who could potentially uh, get minutes on on any team in the league, going all the way from probably you know fifteen to to sixty 
makes this question even harder just because some of these, you know, some guys that I think are just outside my 60 might go 40. So this is all just based on, I guess, intuition. But uh, Miles Powell is one who he was, he's a 23-year-old senior from Seton, Seton Hall. Um, he's a point guard, but, but he's six foot two, but he can just fill it up. I mean, I think he averaged 23 or 24 points at Seton Hall this year. He's obviously older. He is in that mold where I, he'd probably, you know, be in that J-Mac kind of mold where he just comes into the team as an undersized point guard who can really just, just hit shots in, in a variety of different ways and still set the table a little bit for his teammates. But, but I think he, he probably goes undrafted just because he's, He's the classic shooting guard in a really small point guard's body, and, and that kind of has a little bit more value than it, than it used to. But but still, a guy at twenty three years old, where I could see them passing on him, I think he'd be someone who would light it up in the G League, and then be able to play, you know, good good spot minutes if Russell's hurt or if you know McLaughlin signs somewhere else or whatever the case may be. So so Powell's one to look out for. Uh, another point guard or or you know, scoring guard is Jay Scrub. He went to the went to a JUCO school this year. Um, six foot six, nineteen years old. So he's kind of on the other the opposite scale to Powell, where he's he's got all the tools, but he just went to a really, you know, a, a school that doesn't get a lot of recognition and often doesn't have players get drafted from from schools like that. So he's got a really good skill set. I know uh, Darren Dougie Wilson. I said that Minnesota already interviewed him, so obviously he's on their radar. But um, a real potential kind of hit there. I think I would I would love Jay Scrub as an undrafted free agent. Um, he would go in the G League straight away. I think really hone his skills against actual grown men, which he didn't really get a chance to do at school. And then he has a lot of uh, a lot of skills, a lot of unique talents that could make him a really good scorer in the NBA. But He's he's one. He'd probably be my first guy. I mean, six foot six point guy. He's not a really a, a pass first guy, more of a score first guard. But a lot of um, a lot of talent there. A lot of athleticism. A, a lot of scoring chops. So they're two guys. Like we said, that they're just that spring to mind straight away. But it's it's, it's hard to know at the moment. You can get back to me on on draft night about that question. Yeah. No. And again, tough question, but also like kind of a fun one. Um, yeah, so the, that was. I had a lot of fun thinking about that question. So, so I had a couple of names. The, the one, this is just kind of selfish because I lived, I lived uh, in Corvallis, Oregon, for a couple of years. So I lived around Oregon State. So I watched. Uh, let's go to Tankathon on their big board. Fifty nine is Trace Tinkle. Uh, kind of like a small forward, six seven, has a good build. He can light it up. Um, he, he can kind of come in and shoot some threes. He's, he was injured all the time. He was a coach's kid. Um, but, you know, again, we're just kind of looking for guys that do one thing well. I mean, yeah. if you're not going in the top 60, you have a lot of flaws. Um, one of his flaws, obviously, not only being injured, but he's already 24 years old. Um, so that's another red flag. But, you know, Jordan McLaughlin's 24, and they, they brought him in. I mean, Keelan Martin's 25. Um, so, I mean, I don't think necessarily you have to zone in on undrafted guys who are, you know, can't legally drink yet. I think that if it's a, a good player who's 21, 22, 23, they would bring him in. Um, I mean, Nas was 20 when they when they brought him in. So uh, I don't think age is a big factor. And then another guy, because again, I'm just shooting straight straight into the dark here, but uh, Kenyon Martin Jr., he's a small forward. He went down to the IMG Academy, uh, so he kind of skipped the whole college route as well. Um, but it's Kenyon Martin's 
tip, like no one remembers <laughs> 10 months from the Nets days and stuff like from the Denver days. Um, I, I watched like a six minute YouTube video on him. It was basically all AAU and the basketball and that is so bad. Um, but he, he looks fun. And I don't know, like I think drafting players or, or you know, signing players undrafted um, that their parents were good at basketball is probably a good thing. You know what I mean? Especially on especially on a two ways deal. Like I'm guessing these guys are people who are gonna end up on two ways. And like that's just a risk free contract. I think it's like fifty K or like seventy five grand or something that they get paid. So it's not like it's hitting the cap sheet at all. And you can always just get rid of them, you know, or, or stick them in the G League and, and let them play out the season there. So uh, there's really no risk to a two way or with any of these guys. Yeah, and and I would Again, I wish I could give, you know, I wish I could give um, Jake like a really good answer. But again, like it's literally impossible to predict who's not going to get drafted right now. But uh, I also think that when the draft night does end in October, I think they will go out and be aggressive in getting another one or two of these guys for the G League. I know they believe yeah. that Iowa system is really important and they have some really good coaches down there. So that's why I lean towards maybe the younger guys that can be developed a little more. But um. I'd, I'd be shocked if they don't, as soon as the draft ends and you turn your TV off, if you don't read that they're signing a guy. And you shouldn't have gone first because you took my guy, but Jay Scrub was, um, I saw Doogie like, they're talking about him as well, but uh, he's interesting too because I watched some video on him and like, again, he's not going to probably be drafted, which is a sign that he's not great, but uh, he could be, he, he has some skill. <laughs> like he has some, he yeah. does some things pretty well. So Yeah, so um. Yeah, like I said, come back to me on draft night when, when the whole 60's been selected and I can probably give you uh, a list with, with guys who I've actually watched a bit more of or, or really have a better idea of. But right now, it's, yeah, it's, well, and also, it's all up it's in the air. It's kind of important to just like, I know everyone, like, it's why I'm so bored. Like, we just want to be excited. But like, <laughs> when Nas Reed was signed, I had no idea. I mean, I looked him up and I was like, oh, this guy was like a highly recruited high school guy. Um, yeah. He sucked at LSU. And then I love Nas Reed. He's kind of like sucked for periods of stretches down in the summer league. Like I remember Nas Reed, I didn't think could jump over the free throw line. Like he had no athleticism, <laughs> and now he's really, I mean, tremendous props to him for like reworking his body. But um, I don't again. You're not going to be blown away by whoever they sign undrafted the night of the draft because they're going to. And they might not. They might not even get a game for the entire season. Yeah, like if yeah. everything goes to plan, they <laughs> won't because. You know the reason why McLaughlin and and Reed got got minutes was because they there was injuries everywhere and they blew the whole team up. Yeah. I mean, like their plan is not to bring in two way guys yeah. and play them forty games that a is, season. Hey, you know what? That is the best point ever made because again, it goes back to my whole the wolves suck and we always fall in love with these you know tough little guys. But like, ideally, we don't talk about Nas Reed and Jordan McLaughlin much like ever because the wolves have a yeah. lot more talent to like win games um, <laughs> yeah so talented developing but if we're really hyper focused come like february march on the undrafted free agent that rosas picked up in october we're probably going to have drinking problems so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so, so speaking of g league guys um <laughs> the last question was from logan alton who's a friend of the podcast he's been on Again. before yep um, he asked, who are the five Iowa Wolves players who you'd want for the Delete 8 practices? We spoke about before the Minnesota are allowed to bring five guys up. I thought it was five guys just from the G League, but I guess just being from Iowa Wolves makes more sense, really, because you wouldn't want to bring guys in from other states and other cities. But I don't know how that works, but it's 
I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that McLaughlin and uh, Keelan Martin are two of the two of them because they're kind of not. I don't know what the what the go is with the two way contract. Obviously, that's the last thing on Adam Silver's mind is you know whether the days have run out or not, or if they're even uh, you know assigned player to the team anymore since the season's actually over for Minnesota. But so they're they're two. Obviously, they're well, they were good enough to to play on the team for stretches and and they would they're comfortable in the system they know they know what to do so McLaughlin Martin outside of that it's it's a bit of a crapshoot again like Jordan Murphy I'd like in there big body gophers flavor I mean he he could probably guard you know like match up on on, on your culvers or your Cody's and give them a big a bigger body to go out in the practices um I'm not as across the Iowa squad as I, as I'd like to be, but Jalen Johnson is their biggest dude. He's six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds. I think that's just. I assume Cat's not going to be there, or at least not going to be there for a while, and that that's perfectly okay. But um, that adds another big body in there to go against Nas Reed and to go against no one else because the Timberwolves don't really even have any really big dudes. So Jalen Johnson, throw him in there, see what he can do. And the last one for me would be Canyon Barry, mainly because he has a great name. Secondly, because he has great lineage. Uh, I think he's Rick Barry's son or grandson. I, I assume son. Um, and he's a career 39% three-point shooter in the G League. So just another guy who can launch threes in practices and, and give Culver and Akogi and, and Russell if he's there and all these guys um, practice, you know, guarding the perimeter because they sucked at it all season. So... They're my five. They're a bit of a lottery, but there you go. That was super informative, and I also just want to thank anyone who's made it this far into the podcast. <laughs> it's just like, did Jake make those names up, or are those guys actually on the team? So I'm looking at when you hear the name Canyon Barry, that's when you turn the podcast off. Well, I had to. I mean, I'm literally looking at the Iowa roster right now because I was like, I don't, I don't want Jake to start making names up, and I don't know it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so so you actually answered that better than I would have. But I'm going to cheat. But like, if you look at technically with finger quotes, the Iowa Wolves roster. I mean, there are guys on there that include Jalen Noel, um, Omari Spellman, uh, Keelan Martin. You know what I mean? Like Keelan Martin, like those types of guys. Um, who have already been around the team. Who's already been around the team. But I think, again, I think going back to the beginning, an hour ago of this pod, uh, those are the guys that I think this is probably the most important. I mean, I, I ideally want everyone to be in this little mini camp so we can kind of work on team building. But um, those are the type of guys you're going to have to figure out, you know, because those are the guys that are going to yeah. make the roster. Like, Jill and Noel, I had a lot higher hope. I watched a lot of him out here in the Pacific Northwest when he was at Washington. Like, he lit it up. He had yeah. crazy fun, like, well, prep, like, videos and, like, workout stuff leading up to the draft. And he was just, I don't know if it was a mental thing or he was slow to, you know, kind of accept or learn about the speed of the game. But he was, I want to see him. Like, I want to see him develop this summer. Um, But, and then Amari Spellman, too. Like, I don't know. Like, is he ever going to, like, is he, is he getting paid by the Timberwolf? Because, like, he just never showed up for things. <laughs> And then there was yeah. rumors that he didn't really want to be here. And it's like, well, dude, you're not very good. So, like, you shouldn't be able to call your own shots. Um, yeah. He's another one. But the guy, the answer to this question, the reason I wanted to be on this pod is I believe in Jared Vanderbilt. I want oh. to see what he if, can do. Yeah, I, I took it as guys who weren't sitting on the bench, I guess. You know, yeah, like Jared yeah. Vanderbilt yep, was yep. still 
But if I didn't, if if we're going on that, like Jared Vanderbilt is the clear number one. Like I want to see him averaging thirty and twenty in in market bubble games, and I'll be you know I'll be happy to die now. I just you know okay, so a quick refresher. We won't go too long on this, but Jared Vanderbilt out of I think it was Kentucky, right? Drafted yeah, yeah. twenty eighteen pick forty one, so the second round. He was drafted four spots behind Gary Trent Jr. Um, he was drafted seven spots ahead of everyone's favorite kid, Abitz Dia. So I know that he was just kind of like a throw-in in that trade, you know, and then what, the Wolves had like two weeks before the pandemic. So like Jared Vanderbilt, I mean, I would imagine that half to Wolves fans who are good fans, but don't even know he's on the team. Um, there's like 347 total minutes of YouTube videos of him. And I've watched them all like nine times. Like this, <laughs> I, I know for a fact, and you know this too, like he wasn't just like a salary throw-in for that, for that trade with Beasley and Wancho. I mean, clearly not because he doesn't make really any money, but the Wolves targeted him. And I don't think he's Pascal Siakam <laughs> next year, but clearly, because the dude's played like a dozen minutes in the NBA. But I, I'm telling you, man, like, if you're really bored, just watch some YouTube videos of him because I think he has, he is a freak athlete. And it sucks that we don't get to see Summer League this year because I think he would have, I think you're right, I think he would have dropped 38 teams on people. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see if he's either crushing it in Iowa next year or if he's spending half the time up with Minnesota as kind of like a, you know, ninth, tenth guy off the bench just to bring energy. But um, I'm excited for him. And that tells you how sad my life is that I'm really excited for Jared Vanderbilt. But <laughs> I, I, think, and I, I think you and I wanted to write about him at some point, but I think he has a special, a bunch of special talent. You don't go to Kentucky and then get drafted. And and he was a really high. He was a really high recruit out of high school as well. I mean, he had foot. I think like two foot injuries or yep. two ankle injuries yep. at Kentucky, and that kind of derailed. I think the whole the whole process for him. I mean, he's he's pretty much a year behind in his development, and he's still only twenty, I believe. So yeah, he was, he's been in the NBA for he was for a, a while. five star recruit and a McDonald's All American, and then he just had those injuries. So again, I mean. If you think, he would have been a, he would have been a first rounder comfortably if you had been able to play thirty five games for Kentucky for sure. And again, and then there's zero comparison between him and a guy like Gary Trent Jr. But as we talk about flavor of the week, I mean, Gary Trent's been a hot name in the bubble because of how well he's been shooting threes. And he was a yeah. slow second round guy drafted in the same year, close to the same age that like is looking at making a ton of money for the Blazers or someone else. Um, as a super, super competent 3 and D guy. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt, I think, what, 6'9", 215, 220. But he, if he can shoot a little bit, I mean, his energy, his defense could be a really fun little spark plug. He's not the starting power forward next to Colin these Hounds. But um, I, I would just keep an eye on him. I would flag him in, in the system in terms of guys that in spring start popping off the screen a little bit. Because um, I, think, I think he could be a keeper. If nothing else, yeah. Well, so I'll throw out this last question. I know we're we're over the we're going longer than we thought it would, which is just standard procedure from us. But <laughs> who who is your top five wolves that you want to see in in the market bubble? Um, well, or you just want to see footage of, or you want to hear good stories about, you know, who are the guys you're keeping an eye on. Okay, well, I'll go. To, I'll go to. I mean, obviously, it would be like. Towns and Russell, like one, two, because I want to see. I mean, they played one game yeah. together in the, in the bubble or uh, against Toronto back before the pandemic. Um, but I'll, I'll say number one, it's got to be Jared Culver. I just I want to see like 
You weren't good. Yeah. And not only were you not good, you had broken mechanics that make a basic basketball player a basketball player. You couldn't shoot the ball. Um, so <laughs> have, have, have you gotten bigger? Have you, is your hand, I mean, you're a pretty good dribbler, but like, have you been able to work on your handle? Can you shoot? Can you pull up? Um, I'd like to see where Josh is. Um, I mean, Josh is a steal on his contract, but like, has Josh's offense come around at all? Um, so those would be kind of be my one, two. Again, Jared Vanderbilt, drink. Uh, he would have to yeah. be in my top five <laughs> just because, again, I've seen the, all we get to do is watch workout photos of these guys, and he's massive. That dude looks like an absolute tank. Um, so he'd be yeah. up there, and then, um, I don't, I don't know why I'd want to see a Malik Beasley or a James Johnson, those guys, because you kind of know what they are, you know? Um, but that's why you just want to see more of them. Yeah, that's true. That's we true. only got to see 13 or 14 games of them. So, But I think, I think regardless of who's in your top five, Jake Lehman has to be in one of them because I just yeah. want to see, like, he's not making a ton of money, but he was kind of like one of their free, big free agent pickups last year, and he was had a devastating injury for most of the year. But um, he's a big, important role. He is totally forgotten um, right now when you talk about that team. But if he can do a lot of the, you know, the bring a lot of shooting to the team, and I mean, he's a super good athlete. Uh, I'd like to see, like, are you fully recovered from the injury? Is your shot back? Is it consistent? Um, so he would, he would be in there as well. Who, do you have any specific names that you're thinking of? Um, I think it'd probably be the same. I think Culver, Culver Vanderbilt, Akogi, Culver, all for the same reasons you said. I mean, Vanderbilt, we just want to see anything of. Like, we want to see what he can do at all in a competitive setting. Culver, I want to see if the offense has come around at all, if he if he's uh, gotten stronger and, and able to guard bigger, bigger guards and wings. Uh, Akogi, I want to see if he can shoot. <laughs> I want to see if he can dribble. I mean, all the, all the stuff that we've you know been asking for 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 two years now. Well, and again, you know, like I, I don't, I Conley Towns and Deandre Russell aren't actually my answers because I know that they're awesome, and I'm probably not going to take away. Yeah. I'm not going to learn much by watching them go five on O or five on playing against Jordan McLaughlin and Nas Reed. You know, like, it's <laughs> yeah. a, that, that's something that I would have, I would have said their names if we got to see them. Like, go I, to a bubble. like I know Towns can drop 40 against the bench yeah. center. Yeah, I exactly. don't need to say it. Exactly. So like, I would have said those guys' names if they're going to a Chicago bubble to play, you know, Cleveland, Chicago, and Detroit. Um, yeah. But I want to see these other guys. Like we know the pecking order at the top, but who's in the middle? Like, can one of these guys take a, a, a leap? Can Culver or Josh or Jordan or Nas take a leap? Or Jared Vanderbilt. Um, that they can put themselves like in that, you know, seven-man rotation, eight-man rotation and be a real core piece so that we don't have to worry about undrafted free agents for the next five. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I completely agree. I mean, like you said it a hundred times that they need to work the margins and those players are the margins right now. So... To work the margin successfully, you need those players to be good. So the answer, they're the guys, yeah. I guess. If the answer to that they're question, the guys we want to see. If that answer to that question, every single person gets asked that, it has to be Jared Culver at the top. You trade it up yeah. for him. I don't really care about Dario Sarge. I mean, I don't need. I, I really think, by the way, I just think that he signs in Europe. I just I don't know if he's meant for the NBA. Um, but I, I didn't, you didn't lose much by moving up and giving up Dario yeah. Sarge, but you still moved up, gave up an asset, and drafted the guy seven. And he doesn't know how to shoot the basketball. So if you just saw some video of him like with a reworked jumper and it looked fluid, I don't care if it's going in. Or just, but, or just like hitting 10 free throws in a row. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, <laughs> I, I, he is the number one guy to see this year because because he has to be good for the Wolves to be good or, yeah. or he has to be good to be traded. But if he yeah. is broken like he was last year, 
it's pretty much a dead asset. And I mean, you didn't spend a ton to get him, but you still used a lot of your capital to get him, and he has been super underwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll leave it at that. Kyle, thanks as usual. Um, you can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Tiger, or he runs the Tainer Supers account, which hopefully you're all following if you're listening to this. Um, always a pleasure, Kyle. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right. So, so um, everyone else, like, rate, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And um, I'll see you probably earlier than next week because me and Jack Borman will probably do something post draft lottery. So maybe even uh, might get a, a couple of podcasts in a couple of days. So I'll, I'll see you all when I see you. Thanks, Carl.